one, episode six, Rory's birthday parties. It's Rory's 16th birthday, but it's not all fun and games. All the Gilmer girls will realize things aren't as simple as they seem. Welcome to Stars Hollow. I'm your host, Rachel Foss. On today's episode, I have a returning guest, my friend Ginny. Hi, Ginny. Hi, thanks for having me again. I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to have you here again. I miss you, even though I every time we get to record this podcast, I've just seen you. It makes it seem like I see you all the time, but that's not true. <laughs> I know. We try to see each other as much as we can, but it's it's hard. Have you been watching anything fun lately this week? Anything good come out this week streaming that you've enjoyed? I don't think I've been watching anything recent. Yesterday I was I wanted to watch something spooky and Medium, the show, is on Hulu. So I was watching that yesterday and I watched that until like two o'clock in the morning, which was a big mistake. And then I've also been like binging Will and Grace because I love to watch that and just kind of watching some fun stuff. So Nothing too recent. I did finish Perry Mason, though, which was supremely wonderful. So oh, I'm my really God. Glad I got to watch that. So good. That show is amazing. It's so beautifully done. And I actually, I'm actually considering watching it again. You probably see things you didn't really quite understand the first time around. So I may watch it. Oh, good idea. I found something kind of exciting today. I don't know if you remember this, Jenny. Did you have Disney growing up? Yeah. Do you remember the very first Disney original movie? No, I don't. It was a Halloween movie called Under Wraps, starring Mario Yadidia. And they brought a mummy to life on accident. And when Disney Plus came out, a lot of people were like, where the hell is Under Wraps? Like, why is that the only Disney original movie that you're not including? And I would have thought that maybe they were going to make it like, oh, we're going to put it on next year, you know, to keep people interested in Disney Plus. So I would have assumed they would have added it to Disney Plus by now but they haven't. But today I found it on YouTube in its entirety and I watched it. Oh, nice. That's super fun. (laughs) All right. Well, are you ready to start our show today? Let's do it. This is one of my favorite episodes, so I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, I was just going to say that this is the first episode of Gilmore Girls that I like so far from this podcast, as in the first five episodes. I don't really love those episodes. This is the first one I actually genuinely enjoy. So let's get into it. Let's do it. This is season one, episode six, Rory's Birthday Parties, written by Amy Sherman Palladino and aired on November 9th, 2000. Now, Ginny, one of the reasons why I specifically wanted you to be on this episode is because this episode is about Rory's birthday and Uh it's very close to your birthday and I wanted to have a very special October birthday girl to join me on this episode so thank you so much again for being here thank you yeah so Rory and I are almost exactly the same age so her 16th birthday be in October and that's when my birthday is you know she was 16 when I was 16 and you know the experience of watching the show was very much mirroring my life which is great We open this episode in the Gilmore Maison dining room. Emily brings up their lawyer, but Lorelai can't stop cracking jokes. 
Richard comes in and says, what did I miss? Lorelai says, I was being impossible and then I turned into a Jewish comedian. This was in response to Emily calling Lorelai Henny Youngman. Henny Youngman was a comedian back in the 50s and 60s known for rapid one-liners. So it was kind of like comparatively to Mitch Hedberg. Oh, okay. Yeah. That was one of my first notes was, who's Henny Youngman? Because I thought you would look that up at the end of this episode. So great. Well, as Emily was saying, Joseph Stanford is coming tomorrow for some will updates. And Richard and Emily want Rory and Lorelai to start putting post-its on things they like and they would like to get when they're dead. Richard mentions that his desk is a nice Georgian piece, which is quite phenomenal because that would be quite an expensive antique. Rory and Lorelai are finding this a little creepy. And I love it when Emily goes, did you hear that, Richard? Apparently we're creepy. That's great. And then putting in these crystal bowls. Do you like the bowl? Put a post-it on it. (laughs) Sounds like my family. So then after the cold open, one of my favorite things, these are some of my like top lines of the show, is when Emily goes to sit on the sofa and Lorelai says, but don't mess that up. We put a post-it on it and we want to keep it nice. And I was like, that's something I would say to my mother. Yes, (laughs) exactly. That scene is so funny and witting. Like when she comes in and she says, how's it going in here? Oh, just getting ready for the big day. Well, Emily does walk in and she asks if they want anything special for dinner for the next Friday because it happens to be Rory's 16th birthday. Well, Lorelai wants to bring up that because it is Rory's actual birthday, can they maybe move dinner to Saturday instead? Nope. Well, Lorelai later is joking with Rory because she couldn't get her to budge and she says, well, no, I didn't win that one, but at least I convinced her to have the string quartet play Like a Virgin. Like a Virgin is a famous song from music artist Madonna. And Lorelai promises to throw Rory a great party on Saturday instead. But what will Emily's party be like? Well, the government will close that day. Flags will fly at half-mast. Barbara Streisand will give her final concert again. And then apparently also Elvis and Jim Morrison are coming back from the dead and they're bringing chips. We'll cut over to the Independence Inn. Suki is going through the upcoming Rory party menu. She mentions she's going to be making mini orange biscuits with honey mustard, ham and cheddar cheese and angel wings with dipping sauce. Neither you or I eat meat. No. So I can't comment on what these things would taste like, but they're both a little weird. Angel wings, according to the internet, is kind of like a spicy Thai sauce instead of kind of like a buffalo or barbecue sauce on wings. So Okay. But mini orange biscuits with honey mustard and ham and cheddar cheese. Actually, that sounds, I mean, except obviously for the ham, which I don't eat, but that would sound really good. Because the honey and the ham go really well together. But with orange? Yeah. Because then the the biscuit would have just like orange zest in it. And so it would have just a tinge of orange, just a little bit of orange flavor to round out the honey and the ham. Maybe your palate is more sophisticated than me because it (laughs) seems so strange to me. It is. To me, it's strange for a 16-year-old's birthday party. That too. Right? That seems a little over the top. Like, I could get the angel wings 
Because I think Rory does kind of like Thai food because we know she likes Indian food and Thai food and Chinese food. So that kind of fits with, you know, what a 16-year-old Rory would like. But orange orange biscuits with a honey mustard ham. I think they just wanted to say something really fancy and, like, demonstrate that they're really going all out for the birthday party and that, like, it's a really big deal. Very good point. Well... Once that's confirmed, Lorelai relays what happened the night before trying to get out of Friday night dinner. And she says, nope, Emily still has her Vulcan death grip on that one. This is a reference to Star Trek. One of the alien characters is a Vulcan. I can't speak a lot of that. I was never into Star Trek. I don't really know a ton about Star Trek, but I do know that. Well, I know Spock is a Vulcan. Well, Lorelai is also relaying the Friday night pudding story when Jackson Belleville runs in. Open your mouth and close your eyes. You are very trusting, Suki. Jimmy, even if you ran into my house and said that to me, I would not close my eyes. I'd be like, what the hell's going on? If you ran into my house and said that, I would say, is it vegan? And then I would. (laughs) Well, what Jackson grew is vegan. Because he, he cross pollinated a raspberry and a kumquat to create a rasquat. I think that's such an interesting combination. And every time I watch this episode, I really want to know what a rasquat tastes like. And I always want to be able to taste it. Well, I have no idea what a kumquat tastes like. I don't think I've ever had a kumquat. I've had one once. They are in like the berry family, but they're not as sweet or as flavorful as like raspberries strawberries blueberries like the fruits that we're used to but they are they are good they're just not as quite as like a vibrant flavor i've had them before i think i can google that too (laughs) you can google whether or not you have had one well i can look at what it looks like and and remind myself whether that was what i had got it yes oh my gosh that sounds so good i want to try the rasquat can somebody make this somebody please crossbreed a raspberry to kumquat and we can try it Thank you. (laughs) Well, I do want to put a warning out there. Just as Lorelai mentioned, please don't build one of those machines like in The Fly. (laughs) Which, by the way, is a movie I watched when I was way too young to have been able and should have watched that movie. And it traumatized me for life, which is why I do like Jeff Goldblum, but I'm always a little afraid of him. And I think it's because I watched The Fly. I've always been in love with Jeff Goldblum because I loved him in The Big Chill. And I watched that when I was too young to have watched it. He was so, like, awkward and funny and kind of weirdly charming in it that I was always like, I like this guy. And I was, you know, like, I mean, I was way younger. I was like a teenager when I watched that movie in their, you know, in their, like, 30s. And so then it was, like, really weird, but... I've always loved Jeff Goldblum. I totally get the thirst sweets for Jeff Goldblum. I feel you, that. You didn't fall in love with him because of Jurassic Park? I have never seen Jurassic Park. Listeners! Listeners, you have heard it here first. I just want to apologize to my constituents that I have a friend who is like this. But so when it came out in the 90s, I was pretty young. And movies like that that were really like action packed and, and to me were scary, like 
because like you know a lot of people die throughout the movie whatever you know I was too scared to watch them and then just sort of bypass them in the cultural zeitgeist I understand the references that are about it but I never actually watched it just because I it passed me by and then you know, it gets too long and then you're like, well, whatever, I guess I just haven't watched it. Wow. Okay. Well, as soon as COVID is over, guess what we're doing? <laughs> I also have never seen The Fly, but I also, I know of it and it looks terrifying and also very sad because a scientist who made a mistake and he had to die. And it's also just gross. It's also just gross. Yes. It's very Kafka-esque, right? Metamorphosis style. It is. You're like turning into a bug and like, oh man. So I was just like horrified by the thought of waking up and being a cockroach. It was like one of my greatest fears for years that I would wake up one day and be a cockroach. And after reading that book, I thought it might be something that could actually happen. I was terrified. At the beginning of the next scene, Lorelai is walking into her house and yells, Lucy, I'm home. This is in reference to the television show I Love Lucy and was a common catchphrase of Ricky Ricardo for whenever he would come home. And also then she she sees Roy talking on the phone and says, Justin can't marry Brittany. I'll just cry and cry and cry. I and love that. favorite lines that she's just like talking on the phone about. That is. Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears, which were the hot couple of the day. It is such a hilarious reference. Hold on, here comes Tonks, and she's meowing at me. Hi, Tonks. I hear you, baby girl. Come here. She brought me slippers. She brings me Are my slippers. Yeah, she brings me my slippers when I'm downstairs. Okay, anyway. Mm-hmm. Justin Timberlake is an American singer who, at the time, was very popular because he was in the pop band NSYNC. And Britney Spears, which we have mentioned actually multiple times in previous episodes, is also an American pop singer. And Justin and Britney dated from 1999 until 2002. And you know why I think this joke is extra funny? First of all, it's just funny because Lorelai is being goofy and I I appreciate her goofiness and that topical reference. Mm -hmm. But I think it's extra funny because that could not be further from Rory's personality. And so then she's just kind of teasing her for being on the phone. And it turns out that Rory is ordering dinner. She's ordering pizza, baby. She's such a good provider. Well, Ginny, there's something very special that happens. And I know that you and I are both going to understand the significance. We won't go into it, but I'm going to bring it up. I'm going to bring it up. Are you ready? I am ready. Lorelai is eating apples. Yes, she is. If you keep listening, if you keep watching the show, you'll understand that reference. She's also eating red delicious apples, which I'm a bit of an apple connoisseur, and red delicious apples are disgusting. They're garbage apples. Yeah, they're mealy and flavorless, and she has this huge number of them on her kitchen table and starts eating one. And I'm like, why would you do that? (laughs) It sounds like a horrible snack. Almost any other apple I'm all for, but red delicious can... Suck it. (laughs) While Lorelai is eating those controversial apples, Emily calls, asking Lorelai if she'll go shopping with her to help pick out Rory's birthday present. If you look in the background with Emily, well, not in the background, right next to her, she has this beautiful embroidered pillow, and it kind of looks like a Renaissance painting. I don't personally recognize it, but if anyone out there knows if that's a reference to a Renaissance painting of some sort, please let me know, because it was really pretty. 
Also, Emily in that scene dresses exactly how I dress in the winter, and I really appreciated her look. I don't remember what she was wearing in that scene. She's wearing brown, kind of thicker slacks, and then a red or like dark red maroonish shirt with a matching cardigan. So I think the shirt is probably a sweater, like a thinner sweater yeah. with a matching cardigan over it. And I was just, I'm just like, yes, this is my look. Light layers. You gotta have those light layers. Autumnal, cozy, yeah. classic. Well, Emily has excellent taste. Her taste is very high end. It's much more conservative than, you know, a Lorelai or a Rory or pretty much anyone else on the show. But her outfits don't always look good you know what i mean maybe not always i don't really count the first few episodes but i also in general when it comes to a show i i'm always have a lot of forgiveness for the first few episodes of any show yeah i completely agree that's exactly how i feel about 30 rock almost the entirety of the first season of 30 rock is bad i mean that's true for like the mindy project for the first few episodes you know that's also true for um the office yeah the office I would say the one show that I was just thinking of that isn't like that was The Good Place. That's exactly what I was, I was literally just going to say that. But it is so unbelievably pre-executed. So they had obviously put a lot of planning into it before starting the show. Mike Shore had license to do whatever he wanted. So then he wasn't going through what Gilmore Girls would have gone through, which was like, oh, we're going to shoot a pilot. We hope that it runs. And you can see that, I think, with um, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yes. Amy Sherman Palladino reference. Much more intentional because they gave because her, they gave her that show, yeah. 100%. But yeah, because Marvelous Mrs. Maisel from episode one is fire. Yeah, it's tight. It's tight. Let's head back over to the Gilmores. Mm-hmm. Emily asked her to meet at Damien's tomorrow at three. I looked this up. Damien's, not a real place. And we'll talk about more on that when we're actually at Damien's. Well, now we're back at good old Chilton and what, Tristan? Okay. Such a fucking dick. (laughs) He wishes her happy birthday, but not in a nice way, as you've said, because he got an invitation to Rory Gilmore's 16th birthday party. The invitation reads, on the morning of October 8th at 4.03 in the morning, Emily and Richard Gilmore were blessed with a perfect baby granddaughter, Lorelai Lee. Please join us this Friday to celebrate this joyous occasion, 7 o'clock, black tie optional. And everybody in her class at Chilton, in her grade at Chilton, received Uh this invitation. If that had happened to me, I would have been mortified. I think I, I would have walked in front of a school bus. I am still mad at Emily about it. Later, <laughs> but I'm still bitter about it. Myself, as someone who was bullied, the last thing you want is to go to your birthday and see your bullies. Exactly. Oh, my God. And Emily is not considering any of that. I do love and appreciate that you have held on to this anger of a fictional <laughs> character in a fictional world for 20 years. Yeah, well, of course I would never let it go because I can't I can't confront Emily and tell her why she was wrong and convince her that this was the wrong thing to do. I can't heal that wound, Rachel. Rory is not too happy herself. And as she looks on in absolute mortification in the background, We hear happy birthday 
by the early 80s band Altered Images. That's such a good refrain in this episode. And perfect for the characters. Happy birthday. Transition over to quote-unquote Damien's, which is Mm -hmm. actually Burbank Town Center in Burbank, California. This is one of my favorite types of scenes in the show when Lorelai and Emily have like a reasonably decent interaction. She's not quite there at first because as we walk into this scene, the first thing she sees is this very vintage looking older woman hat that I would certainly wear now with a vintage outfit and certainly not at 16. And Lorelai says, oh, great as soon as we crown her queen of england we'll give it to her this Mm -hmm. is because the current queen of england queen elizabeth and also other members of the royal family including Meghan markle are known for wearing very extravagant outlandish hats british royalty is known for their hats excellent excellent hats which i love i love a good hat the hats aren't quite the right style but i will say what is a great style in this scene is Lorelai's outfit. She's wearing a super cute outfit. She's wearing dark plum pants, kind of maroony, reddish purplish sweater, turtleneck, mm-hmm. and a mm-hmm. long blue cardigan. Those used to be my colors, and I used to wear those colors all the time, and I still love them. I still look cute in them. I would still rock that outfit to this day, just not with her icy blue eyeshadow. Oh my god, yes, that ice blue eyeshadow. I can't stop looking at it and being horrified. While they're walking around and they're trying to find something for Emily to get for Rory, Lorelai picks out a pink guitar purse, which I'm sorry, but that doesn't seem like Rory either especially not at 16. yeah that guitar purse is also very impractical because it's very long and where would you wear it and what would you do with it it's one of those things you'd get because it's fun and then you'd use it once and then you'd never want to use it again i would never want to i with emily on that one yeah well emily as an alternative suggests pearls which at 16 i absolutely would have accepted yeah pearls are forever you have those pearls for a lifetime. So yeah. I, I did receive pearls at the age of 16. Well, um, I remember when my dad, we went to this place where they opened, what is it, oysters where pearls come from? Mm-hmm. Where we, you were there and you watched them as they opened oysters and took out a pearl. And then I got to keep it. And my dad did that with me once. And it was really cool. So I was like, yeah, I would love some pearls, please. Um, She also recommends cashmere and a Mont Blanc pen. I looked up a Mont Blanc pen. They are traditional pens ranging from ballpoint to nib pens, sometimes Mm -hmm. with gold or platinum. And on their website, I saw them range from 225 to 600. And why are they that expensive, Jenny? I can tell you why. Please tell me. Because people are still willing to pay for them at that price. And that's yeah. literally the only reason. Yeah, they're not very good pens. I've no. written with a Mont Blanc pen before because my mom has one. And it's very, it's not very fun to write with. It's not like it's a really stupendous pen that you're like, holy shit, this is the best pen in the world. It's just expensive because it's expensive. Yeah. Lorelai then suggests maybe a mermaid eraser and this planner. No, the planner maybe because she's very organized, 
But Rory would not be interested in these mermaid erasers. I'm looking at yeah. them right now. They're insane. And they are for like a seven-year-old, not a 16-year-old. Yeah, that also was really weird to me when I was watching it today. Is I was, yeah, I was looking at that and I was, my, my six-year-old niece is super into mermaids. So she would love that. Maybe the argument there is that Lorelai is still looking at Rory like a child. Or maybe... Either way, Emily is starting to get frustrated and Lorelai says, no, you're shopping for your granddaughter, Barbara Hutton. Barbara Hutton was heiress to the Woolworth fortune. She was an American debutante, socialite. She was dubbed the, quote, poor little rich girl. First, when she was given a lavish and extravagant debutante ball in 1930, right in the beginning of the Great Depression, and later due to a notoriously troubled private life, which included, well, how do I put this? She enjoyed attention in exchange for lavish gifts. And that's all I'll say about that. Well, Emily is ignoring all of Lorelai's ideas, probably a good idea. And this includes a t-shirt with Farrah Fawcett's face. <laughs> Farrah Fawcett was an actress who became very popular in the 70s and was the star of the TV series Charlie's Angels. And Lorelai mentions that she's a hero to everyone who wanted to master the feather flip. She also became famous for her signature hairstyle, which is, you know, now like a symbol of the 70s. But it's here that now we can kind of see, oh, now this makes sense. This is why none of these gifts sound right for Rory. Lorelai isn't shopping for Rory either. Lorelai is shopping for Lorelai. What do you think about that? Do you have any feelings? I think she is trying to find things that she finds fun and interesting and that she thinks of Rory as being interested in. And, and Emily is doing the same thing, right? Emily is finding things that she thinks are beautiful and interesting. And so they're both kind of expressing their vision or their, their version of Rory and what Rory would be interested in. I mean, if you want my opinion, I think the pearls would be the best one, but... Because you can wear pearls and have them be really cute even when you're 16. They're very simple and classic. I still think that Lorelai being like, oh, pearls are a bad gift for a 16-year-old. No, that's that's old enough for pearls. You and... know what that made, just made me think of? In 10 Things I Hate About You. Mm-hmm. Where'd you get the pearls? Yeah. Daddy found them in a drawer last week. So you decided to wear them? It's not like she's coming back to claim them. Ugh. Top 10 best movies of all time award. So good. Such a good movie. Well, finally, Emily picks out some bracelets. They both agree that Rory will like them and they even light up. I still think they look pretty cheap and for a younger girl, but that's fine. Yes. So I did. So I didn't have the ones that lit up, but I did at that time have bracelets like these big glass ball bracelets and you could get them at like Claire's. And, you know, they have, like, lots of colors. And so then you would, like, mix up the different colors of which ones you wanted to wear. So you would get, like, a set of them. Very good point. Well, then that just makes it even more apparent. This must be a pretty good gift for a 16-year-old then. Thank yeah. you for bringing up Claire's. That was, um, that, like, struck something in my heart. Where I got my ears pierced. Me too. I'm pretty sure every single person our age got their ears pierced at Claire's. Yeah, for any parents or young people listening who want to get their ears pierced, please go straight to a professional tattoo piercing place. Get your ears pierced by a hygienic professional. Do not 
go to Claire's. Raise your hand if your ear got infected after piercing them at Claire's. Well, Emily is happy, but she does try to sneak in if she could also get the pashmina. But Lorelai says no, which pisses me off because again, I would have loved a pashmina. I have a pashmina. I love them now. Yes. They're classic. Exactly. Pashminas. Again, pearls and a pashmina, I would have been thrilled with it at 16. I would have been elated. Well, it's dinner time, and dinner time means Luke's diner. Okay, Mm -hmm. Burger Boy, dance. Yes, one of my favorite lines also from the entire show. Well, then Luke responds, will you marry me? To a shocked Lorelai. Luke quickly Mm -hmm. responds, just looking for something to shut you up. Sure, Luke. Sure. That's what they all say. Lorelai invites Luke to Rory's birthday party. It's going to be Saturday at 7. Don't be late. Again, listeners, Rory's birthday party is October 8th. So this would be Saturday, October 8th at 7 p.m. Saturday, October 9th, because Friday was her actual birthday. Oh, my God, you're right. Mm-mm. Oh, I can't believe you just embarrassed me. In front of all these people on my own podcast. Just a little bit of quick math. Look, I'm here for facts, not to do math, okay? (laughs) So Rory comes in and they get a table. And in the background, I just want to take a moment for anyone out there like myself who find men attractive there's quite a foxy looking bearded man in the back of this scene and he's talking just doing his background actor stuff Mm -hmm. but he's a cutie patootie i just noticed it and i was just like oh who's this foxy looking bearded guy anyway yeah rory is very bogged down from the tragedy of finding out everyone at school who she hates and hates her has been invited to her birthday but she hides this from lorelei to keep the peace with Emily. And of course, we hear happy birthday by altered images again as it fades to black. Before we move on, the one thing I do want to talk about in this scene, though, is they're talking about the different birthday parties that Lorelai has thrown Rory, and they had the cops called on an eight-year-old's birthday party. What the fuck was happening at that birthday party? I want to know. I need, I've always wanted more details on this. The clown was arrested. What the hell was he doing? What? I wish we could get a throwback episode for that party. But do you remember in a future episode, Lorelai mentions how she's really good at kids' birthday parties. And she mentions the one where they went to Taylor's house at three in the morning and teepeed it. (laughs) (laughs) So I wonder if it was this one. Oh, maybe that's it. God, I hope so. Well, now we are at a very famous Gilmore Girls scene. Lorelai comes into Rory's bedroom. It's 4.03 a.m. Happy birthday, Rory. I always loved how she described giving birth. Like doing the splits on a tub of dynamite. And pelting the nurses with ice chips. So she must have been a joy to have in the maternity ward. It's just a really sweet scene. I mean, you really just see, it's just the purest love between a daughter and a mother. She's just so loving and appreciative of Rory. And Rory feels the exact same way. They are so happy. It's not just that they love each other, but they like each other so much. This is just a perfect example of their very, very special bond. 
Yeah, the very special bond that they have together and their and their really um, you know special appreciation for each other and really shows like how much deep deep love Lorelai has for Rory. You know what's funny is that I was born at four also, but in the afternoon. <laughs> oh, okay. I was born at 12.30, so I'm just barely on the 17th. Wow. I'm going to do your chart for you. Well, to go back to Rory, yes. she is a Libra like I am, which is a focus on the, the symbol is the scales. The focus is on balance, so they like things in balance, and um, they tend to be very loyal. All so those things apply to you. I did also hear oh. that um, Libras focus on aesthetics. Which I think mm-hmm. you do too, because you're always very well put together. And like the conversation we just had about your hats. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten more into it as I've gotten older, because one thing that happens with aesthetics as you get older is you get more confident in your view of aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So kind of going back to our hat conversation, you get more confident perhaps, or I will say I have, about what you think looks good. I love that. Well, as they're having this moment in Rory's bed, Rory says, I wonder if the Waltons ever did this. The Waltons is a television series about a family in rural Virginia during the Great Depression and World War II. And the Waltons ran from 1972 to 1981, so a pretty long time. What I think is so great about Rory mentioning this particular show is because the Waltons was also filmed on that same Warner Brothers lot. And actually, the Waltons house is the same structure as the Dragonfly Inn, which we will see in future seasons. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, in the Waltons, they were also famous for like the good night thing, right? Good night, so and so. And so they would like say this chorus of good nights from their individual bedrooms. Which I was always like, my God, I would want to kill my entire family. Yeah, good night. I'm going to sleep. It's the next day. We're at Luke's, and it's Rory's birthday. Happy birthday, Rory. Rory still has to go to school because she has a Latin test, which, yeah, you have to go to school on your birthday regardless. That's not a thing. But you're sitting at the wrong table, Rory. Since when has there been a right table? Um, Since Luke baked you a special coffee cake and blew up balloons for your birthday, you dumb little jerk. I know. He is so sweet. He's such a good, like, dad figure guy. I know. So wonderful. And But then it's still pretty gruff because then she'll go, you old softy. And he goes, it's gone on the count of three. (laughs) Rory walks into Luke's and she's carrying four CDs in her hands. Now, I personally cannot read what these CDs say, but if any listeners out there recognize any of these titles or that top cover, let us know. I would love to know what these CDs are as a fun little background detail. Well, Rory explains to Lane why she hasn't told her mom about all the Chilton jerks being invited to her party when the local cool creep teen Dean walks in to get coffee and on his way out whispers happy birthday through his long straight parted down the middle hair. Yeah, I so my thoughts and feelings on, on Dean at this point, at this time, as like a first boyfriend, you know, like first love interest, he's very sweet, he's very nice, he's very respectful, like these are all good things for a six-year-old girl to have you know, in a, in a boy in her life. So I, I always liked Dean 
you know, at that and always hoped that there would be a cute boy mouthing happy birthday to me on my birthday. You know, that was the kind of thing that I always liked. So. All right. <laughs> Why are you smiling? I'm just thinking about pudding. The pudding. Like the main theme of this entire episode is the pudding. Also what I call my beast. My little pudding pop. Little pudding pop. Well, it's finally Friday night, and Emily is getting ready for the big party. Well, what do you think of the party, Lorelai? I think Edith Wharton would have been proud and taken notes. Edith Wharton was an American novelist. She did not grow up with great wealth, but her father's family, the Joneses, did. It's said that the term keeping up with the Joneses started with her family. She played a part in high society later and drew upon her insider's knowledge of the upper-class New York aristocracy to realistically portray the lives and morales of the Gilded Age. She is also the first woman to win a Pulitzer Prize for Literature for her famous work, The Age of Innocence. Which is a good movie. Oh, interesting. I've never seen or read any of it, so I have no idea. I've never read the book. I have seen the movie, which is very interesting. But it's, you know, it's in that, in, it's definitely of that time in literature. Well, Lorelai and Emily drag each other. So Lorelai walks away and says, nice candles, mom, six inches apart. Good burn, Lorelai. After a walk around this very boring party, Lorelai brings Rory a Shirley Temple, the famous non-alcoholic mocktail. Lorelai has a Shirley Temple Black that is apparently quite potent. She makes a joke about having the good ship lollipop right here. Shirley Temple was a very popular child actress from the 30s and 40s. And in 1950, at the age of 22, she married Charles Black. So a Shirley Temple is the non-alcoholic version, traditionally made with ginger ale or 7-Up and a splash of grenadine and a maraschino cherry. Whereas a Shirley Temple Black is a Shirley Temple with a shot of alcohol, traditionally either Kahlua, vodka, or rum. And the good ship lollipop is Shirley Temple's most famous song, from the movie Bright Eyes. And I know we all know it. Let's sing along. I don't actually know it, but we all know it, but we don't know it. Well, Rory has to go meet some people because it's her birthday party. So in walks Mitzi to say hi to Lorelai. Mitzi is played by Bridget White, She's been an active actress since 1996, had recurring roles on both One Life to Live and Young and the Restless, both soap operas, most recently in a film titled Fair Market Value, and her next film coming out is called Out and About. This Mitzi character apparently went to high school with Lorelai, and she has absolutely no filter. Yeah, she's a real piece of work. (laughs) mentions how much uh, Rory looks like Christopher and does that just kill you? And you're like, okay, I haven't spoken to you in 15 years, so I'm glad we're having this conversation. 15, like, you know, 17 or more. And Lorelai gives us the perfect line for any exit. We should all be saying this. I have to go talk to someone else. (laughs) 
I have to go talk to someone else. Bye. But my favorite moment of that entire scene is also where Mitzi snaps for the for the server to come and pick up her empty glass. I know. I'm just trying to grow. <laughs> so good. Well, Rory misses her grandpa, a.k.a. her new BFF. And grandpa is talking to Lars. Lars is played by actor David Booth. We may have brief encounters with this actor, but listeners, especially listeners our age, Jenny, might just recognize David Booth in the role I know him for as Casey Becker's dad from Scream. Oh, I've never seen that movie either. you never seen Scream? I don't watch horror movies. I already told you this. I don't either, but even I've seen that one. But either way, Lars and the rest of the businessmen hand over Rory envelopes of cash which is all I ever want out of life I just really want envelopes of cash handed to me every day and and then ignore her and make her feel uncomfortable though similar to that my parents were older so they didn't have a lot of friends kids my age because my parents waited a long time to have kids and so then I was going to parties with these like older people, their children were generally already grown and my dad was politically involved. And so I was going to these parties with all these politicians and would have to go and like shake all of their hands and like be a good hostess, quote unquote. Being like, I don't know what to say to these people. I don't know what to do. This is very uncomfortable. Well, did they give you envelopes of cash? They certainly did not. Well, this is even worse for Rory because Lars and the businessmen take her grandpa away and she came over there because she wanted to hang out with her grandpa because she like you said she was feeling very uncomfortable she went over there to get some comfort richard makes it very clear that he's much more interested in business yeah i don't think he doesn't care about her birthday i think you know he just gets absorbed he's in the middle of a debate with a colleague and he wants to win and he wants to prove his point and he wants to finish the discussion and you know it's important Well, either way, it leaves Rory wide open, just in time for Emily to swoop in and utterly humiliate her once again. She takes her over into the library with some kids from her high school that she doesn't know, and they don't know her either. Now, when we walk into the library and we see these kids, there are two boys at the forefront having a conversation. And one always reminds me of, like, a young John Mulaney. Okay. But his real name is Jonathan Ficcadenti. And the other boy is played by Greg Reichart and was also on One Life to Live and Young and the Restless and has still been on that show even in 2020, just like Mitzi's character. Although they were not on at the same time. But I thought that was funny. As if things couldn't get any worse, Rory runs into Paris. Actually, as if things couldn't get any worse, she runs into Tristan. Okay, there's a few things I want to talk about. But let's just get this out of the way right now. What the fuck is Tristan wearing? He has this crazy suit jacket with a purple shirt. And a tie that doesn't match any of it. Yeah, I wouldn't say he did great in the uh, putting together a suit department for this party. Anyway, Tristan makes a joke about being in love with Rory, but (laughs) we know it's not a joke. And is that the theme of this episode? Do you think the theme of this episode could be, let's have all the men who are secretly in love with the Gilmore Girls make jokes about being in love with the Gilmore Girls because they're pretending to not be in love with the Gilmore Girls? Because that's what it feels like to me. 
that's definitely one element of it. I mean, again, you know, Tristan, he's such a dick, and I don't, I don't understand his motivation for his actions at all, or, like, why he's like this, or what the fuck his deal is. But then Charm's grandpa. And I love that line. Rory, who's your friend? I don't know, but this is Tristan. Ah, yes! That's amazing! Well, Rory just cannot take it anymore, and she lashes out at Emily and runs away. Although, still, it somehow is Lorelai's fault. Of course. It always is. This was also, like, what I was like when I was young. I was more shy. I was people-pleasing. And then would have, like, finally just hit my limit and flipped out. I remember just really relating to that. This is what makes you and Rory such Libras. (laughs) Wine balance. Well, we transition into the next scene on a dollhouse, which remember that because we will have to know it for a future episode down the line. Mm -hmm. Rory is sitting in what is, we're pretty sure, Lorelai's old room since there's an Echo and the Bunny Man poster on the wall surrounded by lots of Duran Duran posters, including one on the bedroom door. And let's not forget the creepiest dolls in the entire world. Well, first of all, dolls are creepy. I have an actual phobia of dolls. I can't be in a room with no lights with dolls. I I wouldn't be able to be in a room by myself with dolls. Well, Lorelai finds Rory. She comes in, sits on the bed with her and says, hey, that was a pretty freaky Friday moment. But the time of this show, I think the only version of Freaky Friday was the one with Barbara Harris and Jodie Foster. There's another one with Lindsay Lohan, Jamie Lee Curtis. And there's also another one. There's another one with Shelley Long. That I also oh, watched. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. But I can't remember if that came out before this or not. But knowing Lorelai, I'm pretty sure Lorelai is referencing the 1970s version with Jodie Foster yeah. and Barbara Harris. And for those who don't know, Freaky Friday is a movie about a mother and daughter where they magically switch bodies and have to live in each other's shoes for a day. Well, now it comes out what's really going on at this party. Rory shares exactly what Emily did. Lorelai appreciates what Rory did, but she doesn't want Rory to ever feel that she can't share like that with Lorelai. And she certainly doesn't want her to try to protect her from Emily because that's not Rory's job. That's not fair. She's the granddaughter. She's the daughter. She's 16. This isn't her job. And so in order to kind of ease Rory a little bit. Lorelai lets her in a little bit on what the dynamic really is in the Gilmore family. You know, Lorelai is actually sitting down with her and saying, look, this is what it was like for me growing up. And this is the relationship I have with my parents. But this is not what you need to worry about. And this is how it is between us, but it's not what it's like between you. And it's not your responsibility. I I really appreciate that because this is a rare moment for Lorelai letting go of her own ego Uh and not projecting onto Rory, which she so often does, and kind of giving her the space to build her own relationship and opinions of Emily and Richard. Well, and, and also this is just kind of the beginning of what becomes, you know, a big overarching theme of the show, which is, is... Rory to blame or or anything for the relationship between Lorelai and her parents. 
And, you know, that, that kind of conflict of Rory feeling like she's the source, her existence was a source of distress between them. Well, in this scene and at this party, Lorelai is rocking some navy blue velvet along with her icy blue eyeshadow and some major lip gloss. But look at how cute Rory's shoes are. Um, I don't remember what shoes she was wearing, but I'm sure they were great. Just pretend you're looking at them. <laughs> All right, yeah, they're super cute. Super cute. So, Ginny, in this scene... Lorelai says, I remember when I told them about being pregnant. It's the only time they ever looked small to me. But in season two, Lorelai is talking about Richard and says, the day I told him I was pregnant, 24 feet tall. It freaked the birds. Well, which is it, Lorelai? Was he <laughs> tall or small? I think it was probably she told them and they looked small and then his reaction made him look taller. I think it's just inconsistent <laughs> also probably true but i was i was giving it my best shot give my best to darren well this horrible party is finally over emily is being petulant and all roy wants to do is have her grandparents forgive her and come to her real birthday party unfortunately though emily is being a huge brat about it but richard hands her another cash envelope baby this time for fez the place not the hat but Lorelai is not willing to let it go. This scene is very reminiscent of what it was like trying to have a conversation with my parents. Not when I was Lorelai's age, but when I was a teenager and in my early 20s. It's just, you're trying to be real with them. You're trying to be honest and tell them how you feel, but it's not necessarily good enough or what they want to hear. And so they will not react well. And this conversation just, it's so good. It's really good writing. Yeah, well, I think this, I mean, this is a great argument that they have. I mean, it's really, to me, it's really real. And it's very, like you said, it, it reminds me of, you know, arguments that I had with my parents. And it, it's it's very similar to arguments that Lorelai and Emily continue to have about, like, do they understand each other? Do they mean anything to each other at all? Lorelai says when you can't control her you just shut her out it's a very very hard line to live by I mean I had a, a big birthday party last year and my mom was 100% being like you should do this you should do that as the hostess and that's that's an expectation that you are hosting and therefore you have obligations yeah but she didn't even organize that party no she didn't but she still had opinions <laughs> on how I should host it because she's my mother and that's what she did oh my gosh your mom is such a mom well, one of Lorelai's best lines in this argument is, you know what happens when you assume, Mom? And Emily says, no, I don't know what. Uh, <laughs> that you shouldn't. Very clever. Of course, the real story behind that anecdote is, you know what happens when you assume you make an ass out of you and me. Now, there's no <laughs> way that Emily doesn't know that, what that is. She's heard of this. Emily is specifically trying to trap Lorelai because right. she knows that Lorelai can't say this to her. Even though it's so wicked, it's also just kind of brilliant, Emily. <laughs> well, Emma, Emily is very brilliant. I've often thought that her talents were wasted just being the wife of Richard Gilmore and that she could have done so much more with her natural abilities because she has a lot of like very persuasive skills. Oh, yeah. I could not agree more. And... Despite Emily being such a smart woman, she's really being stupid about this and hurtful. 
And yeah. it's not okay at all. Lorelai mm-hmm. is very much in the right here. Emily set Rory up into a position to make her feel bad. When Rory reacted to that, Emily punished her for it. So it, right. it's it's just like a circle of shame. And regardless of whatever happens, you make sure you're there for your children and your grandchildren when they need you, especially on your birthday. My parents and I once got into a fight right before my birthday, and it was a stupid fight to begin with. And I thought it was ridiculous regardless, Mm -hmm. but they decided to not call me on my birthday because of that. And I didn't speak to them for a year because I I didn't want to speak to someone who thought that was okay. We have since worked that out and it is not currently an issue, but- I'm glad to hear it. Call your children on their birthday. I do love Emily when she, well, let me put that another way. I really love Kelly Bishop's acting in this scene. Yes. And when she goes, oh, right, Lorelai, you're just some huge mystery to me. Why does Lorelai do that? I don't know, she's a mystery to me. Well, you're not mysterious, Lorelai. I just, chef's kiss. She's phenomenal. I think Kelly Bishop digs into and sinks into a scene. Oh, she lights up a room. Well, the scene ends with Emily just giving up and saying, if I had a dollar for every time you gave up, then you could pay for this party, couldn't you? So real. And Ginny, don't forget, put the damn cheese in individual we bags. Bag, <laughs> which is true. We say the same thing in my house. You have to have them in their own individual bags or they mold each other. Emily is right about that. <laughs> Well, it's the next morning, and Suki is at the Gilmore house in party planning mode. But Lorelai is just now coming downstairs. How did Suki get in? They have their keys to each other's houses. Oh, that's so cute. So she probably just let herself in. Suki and probably they were expecting her to come over early to, to like get ready for the party. So that's she was right. like, oh, I'll just come over and use my key in the morning. See you whenever you get up, because I know you'll be at grandparents' the night before. Very true. Suki is also holding a giant zucchini wrapped in plastic, kind of like how you'd get at Trader Joe's. I just thought that was really funny. It doesn't really seem right for Suki because I feel like Suki would only use farm fresh vegetables, but what do I know? They may not have been very good in season. Jackson may not have been able to access them. You had to get them from somewhere else. Well, we know that uh, Jackson isn't always that great at his job, so it's very possible. (laughs) Suki offers up some pancakes, but Rory does not have time. She has to go to the college fair at Chilton to see if there are new Harvard brochures. Now, I don't know what Lorelai is wearing. I'm assuming she wore that to bed. That shirt is wild. I don't really care for anything that's tie-dye. It's too wooey for me. Yeah, I hate tie-dye. I think it's disgusting. And then Suki is still wearing her weird 2000 braids, like those little tiny braids all over her head. They just oh, drive yeah, me crazy. that time. I know, but they drive me crazy on her. Yeah, they're not very attractive. But Rory comes out looking very cute with her curled hair. And I think that she specifically chose to wear Argyle because she's going to a college fair involving Harvard. And you want to know why I think that? Why? Because Paris is also just happens to be wearing (laughs) Argyle. I'm just saying. I think I have that same sweater that Rory had. You know, I mentioned this in a previous episode. I, I think the costume designer did a pretty good job because they're they're pretty good about getting some things that were popular when when yeah. we were in high school, you know. 
Like she yeah. wears Roxy and things from Delia's and things like that. Oh my god, Delia! I know. Oh my god, we used to pour over those catalogs. Right? And I 100% had plastic furniture from Delia's. Oh my god! <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Well, we're briefly in the Chilton Courtyard for this college fair. Paris and Rory both discover that they're each planning on attending Harvard. And again, we know this because of the matching Argyle. <laughs> I don't know why it surprises either of them that the other one wants to go to Harvard because they're both high performing, high achieving people. But then they do have kind of a nice moment. They do, but not until Paris suggests Rory try Brandeis because Brandeis is nice, which is a really weird suggestion because Brandeis is a traditionally Jewish university that focuses on liberal arts and international business, none of which applies to Rory. It's also not an Ivy League school. And I love this moment where they're this kind of yin and yang of like they're talking about Harvard and about, you know, their their goals and all these things. And then talking about a boy, which is very 16 year old, you know, to be focused on both your future, but also, you know, this boy. And and now Paris is like, oh, you know, she's not into Tristan. Maybe maybe she's not so bad. Yay! Yeah, they ended by her complimenting her birthday party and. It's just kind of a way for Paris to kind of give her a little bit of confirmation that she is becoming more accepting. And speaking of nice, let's head back over to the Gilmore house where the party is rocking. There's music, there's lanterns. Seems like everyone in town is there. You can hear this old house by the Brian Setzer Orchestra in the background. Miss Patty mm-hmm. enters wearing a dope blue kimono. Oh, yeah. I love that kimono. I love everything Miss Patty wears, though. She's so great. And then Rory is opening up one of her gifts. It's an Apple iBook. Do you remember those? <gasps> I wanted okay, so one have, so badly. Our family computer, we got an iMac, so the desktop one. Did still have a handle. We got to, like, vote on the color in our family. And I think we, like, the two, like, aquamarine colors. That's what we, like, decided on as a family. And, like, that's what we had. Yes. We definitely had that and we loved it. So that was really cool. I desperately wanted that laptop with the handle. And, you know, it had cool colors. And I just wanted to be so cool and just be like, boop, 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 Mm -hmm. boop, boop. It was also featured in an episode of Sex and the City because it has a handle like a purse. I remember that. I love that Rory's cake has her face on it. And Ginny, you were here for my birthday this year. So you know that my friend Jillian made me a birthday cake with my face on it. It was beautiful and wonderful. Jill's a wonderful woman. Love her to death. They sing happy birthday. And Miss Patty has got some legitimate pipes on her. I know that we know this, but we've never really seen it yet. But you hear her singing happy birthday and you're like, oh, yeah, Miss Patty. Her background was based on the actual like real life work of the actress who played her. This is a very serious moment. Two priests, a rabbi and a duck. (laughs) Oh, Lorelai. This is in reference to the classic bar jokes a man walks into a bar. In fact, there is no punchline because the joke itself is the punchline. You know what is also a joke, Jenny? Lorelai's right. shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's not. What? I would not call that a very attractive party outfit. Yeah, what 
I mean, look at this shirt. It's bright red with graphic black patterns. And then the collar is like a furry leopard print just around the collar yeah. that does not match and looks insane. And it's like kind of a belly shirt, which was the style of that time. That yeah. Very short. And I don't even have an issue with the shirt necessarily. I have an issue with the leopard collar with the shirt. Anyway, cheers to Rory. It's her birthday. Ding dong, get your ass in here or asses. The asses belong to Emily and Richard. They came. They came. And Rory is so happy. She's wearing her grandma's bracelet and she introduces everyone to the people of the town. Well, now in the background, we hear the song, Why Does It Always Rain On Me by Travis. And while this song is playing, Miss Patty walks up, wastes no time. She sees the man and she's there. Must be all that air in Hartford. Lorelai goes into the kitchen to hide while Suki slaves away at the stove preparing more food. Uh, she doesn't get to enjoy the party, apparently. She's only the cook. I just saw her as like going and grabbing something out of the oven before bringing it back out and enjoying the party. She's not out at the party at any part of this episode. We find out in this scene that Richard and Emily have never been to their house, which blows my mind. My parents live in an entirely different state. And they visited me several times. Well, they, you know, they hadn't been speaking, right, for a very long time. This was like the first time Lorelai or Rory had invited the Gilmores to their house. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that that's why. It's just, it's still just kind of like, dang. Emily loves Suki's food. And that'll come up later in this show as well. While Emily is enjoying the food, Richard is making his own fun by inspecting the fireplace and other accoutrements of this house. And deciding it's not structurally sound. Well, he's an insurance man. I That's probably what yeah. he does for fun. And Suki runs in. Don't panic. We're out of ice. But just as Luke meets all your other needs, Lorelai, wink. <laughs> Luke shows up to the party with ice. Yeah, magically knows that they need ice, which who brings ice to a party? I have never... I've never brought ice to a party. I, I've never brought ice to a party unless somebody asked me to. Correct. Which I'm always happy to, but if yeah. somebody... I think I even did ask you this when I was going to your place. Is there anything you'd like me to bring on my way? Oh, you sure did. Like, and you even I, picked... You picked a beer for me. Yeah, of course I did. You were out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> We were out and it's your birthday. I'm not going to have you go. And then went and looked for their longest time trying to find the beer you liked and they didn't have it. And I was very sad. Still a travesty. Still the only place I can find it is Jewel for whatever reason, which is so random. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. Well, Emily sees this. She sees Lorelai jump on Luke, giving him a hug. And, you know, when you really look at it, you can see Emily kind of like checking Luke out. She knows Luke's a hottie. She just doesn't approve. Yeah, I've I made my notes on this as well. First of all, you can tell right away that Luke was like thrilled to be hugged by Lorelai. So you can tell, Emily can tell that he's in love with her. She thinks there's something going on between them that Lorelai knows about. But even her mother knows. A mother always knows. <laughs> Well, Richard has checked out all of the faulty areas of the house. So he's enjoying himself, relaxing on the front porch, and Roy brings him a magazine. Louis Armstrong 
What a Wonderful World plays in the background as they all talk about Rory when she was a little girl, which is so sweet. Not a good dancer, apparently. Apparently not. Well, now it's Emily's turn to look around the house. She wanders upstairs. A huge invasion of privacy, by the way. I don't care if you are the mother. I I would be livid if my parents were here and then they just randomly went into my bedroom without telling me or asking for my permission. Oh, well, but I mean... My family and I are pretty close, so I would think it was weird if they didn't just go into my bedroom if they wanted to. I mean, but, but at a party, like if you were close. if you were having a party downstairs with a bunch of people and your mom just like randomly started looking through your stuff, you wouldn't find that kind of an invasion of privacy. You're an adult woman. An invasion of privacy? No, not at all. I would not for me. Not between my mom and I because we're pretty close. All right. My question would be like, why are you up here when there's a party going on downstairs? (laughs) I personally am a person without a ton of boundaries. So like people can come into my bedroom and look through my shit. It doesn't really bother me. I'm also going to make a note of that for next time. (laughs) Well, I don't do that to other people. What can I find in Ginny's room? (laughs) I don't really have a lot of shame or a lot of boundaries. And certainly not from you, a very close friend. All right. Ask away. I feel like this is a really important scene between Lorelai and Emily. They're up in Lorelai's bedroom. Emily is looking around. We see a lot of things happening. Emily slowly begins to realize, wow, I actually don't know a lot about Lorelai. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's been going on in her life for the past 15 years. Simultaneously, Lorelai is slowly realizing that she is actually happy to be connecting with her mother again. Yeah. So it's both of these Gilmore ladies mm-hmm. realizing some truths about their relationship. And I find this not only very moving, especially it just makes me think about, you know, my own relationships, but also just really good scene writing because yeah. It's never said out loud, but the way they're acting versus the lines that they do give us really is very impactful. I think so, too. I mean, I think one, one of my favorite, like, little moments from that scene is when when Emily asks about the, the blanket that Lorelai made. You know, I hope you washed it first. And Lorelai goes, I knew I forgot something. Just kind of, like, giving her just a bit of a hard time. And it, make, it does make Emily chuckle. Also, what in the world was Lorelai doing going into a yoga class and doing a headstand, which is an advanced pose? One thing I will say, though, is that when I am at yoga with other people, I do get really frustrated when I see other people doing better than me. I I do do the opposite where I'm just like, why just give up? Whereas Lorelai clearly was like, oh, I'm going to show this little girl, this little bitch here. But you know, it is sad that her mother you know, didn't know that she had like, I'd say like a moderately serious injury. Absolutely. My mother is the first person I would call. So I don't know about that, but I don't share everything with my family. And I would not even say that I share a lot with my family, but I certainly share anything medical with them. However, that has not always been the case with them. Because my dad did break his leg, and I did not know about it until I 
this was when I was in college. And so I came home one weekend and my dad was just in a cast and I was like, um, anybody want to explain? Well, Emily is so overcome that she decides it's time to leave. So she goes to get Richard, who, by the way, is in autumn. And I agree. He hands Rory some more Fez money. And now that that's over, food fight? Absolutely. But then, of course, we're back into the car. And Emily says, she's right. I don't know my daughter at all. I feel like that's a common kind of thing that ASP does in this show is add kind of a little tinge of sadness to all the episodes and really bring it bring it back down to something kind of heavier and, and real. But then also, I don't think she really takes a lot of time or effort to get to know her daughter better and to be like, oh, you know, how can I have a better relationship with my daughter? I disagree. There's quite a few episodes where Emily is doing just that thing. The spa. Oh, that's true. The auction. I was. I suppose I was thinking like immediately after. So like you don't see her like in the next couple of episodes, like taking a lot of different actions to be like, oh, I want to get to know her better. Emily in Wonderland. Is that coming up? Yeah. Oh, okay. Doesn't work out too well though. But you'll. No, hear it about doesn't. That in the episode. Ma- but maybe that's why it deters her. Oh, we'll yeah, talk. We'll go. talk about that's that's the that's future yeah. podcast episode. We'll talk about that later. But something to yeah. think about. I do think that's an interesting theme, though, because Mm -hmm. the party is over. Lorelai and Suki are cleaning up. And as Lorelai is standing at the sink doing dishes, she notices something going on outside. Who's this creep teen talking to my daughter? (laughs) Dean gives Rory a birthday gift. It is the laziest straight male craft imaginable. He literally just cut a piece of leather and tied it to a pre-made metal disc. You're so hard on Dean. He's just a kid. I don't care. When my nephew was 13, I caught him talking to a girl on the phone. He was sitting outside. I was inside and I was kind of eavesdropping just because it was so funny. And I heard him tell this girl, I found a rock today shaped like a heart. And it made me think of you because it's beautiful and so are you. That's some shit. And he was 13 when he came up with that. And that's some smooth shit. He's, by the way, on track to become a doctor. Wonderful. Yeah, that's my shout out to my nephew. When I was 16, I was charmed by the bracelet. You know, he did make it himself. And he does say when he gives it, he's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not really very nice. But he just, you know, thought of her and wanted to make her something for her birthday. And I think that's nice. I'm sorry, but Rory needs to raise her standards. She's way too amazed by this. I mean, any gift that any boy would have given me would have sent me over the moon because I was just like, would have loved to have had any kind of positive interaction with a boy that I liked. I think that's a very good point. And I understand your perspective. It's fine. I get it. If, if I was in <laughs> if I was in high school, I probably would have been the same either way he puts the bracelet on her wrist and holds her hand and Lorelai sees and wow Lorelai doesn't actually know her daughter full circle except this is normal well it's normal for teens but it's not normal for Rory well since you're close to your mom 
If this mm-hmm. had happened to you in high school, would you have kept it from your mom or would you have told her right away? I would have kept it from my mother. Oh. I would have, I would have told her yet. Oh my God, you can't jinx it. Mrs. Head, you heard it here first. <laughs> Jenny was a teenage secret keeper. Oh my God. Well, I had no secrets to keep, first of all. Anything <laughs> happening until I was well into my 20s. I once described dating in my 30s as visiting the salad bar at the end of the day. <laughs> The cucumbers have been soaking in their juices for the whole day, and these are your choices. And the best desserts have been out of stock for quite some time. Yeah, and, you know, there are no good olives left. (laughs) That's what it's like being a straight Uh, woman dating in her 30s. That's hilarious. Perfect analogy. And perfect way... To end this episode. Also with a food fight. Do, 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 do. Now we're at the arts and entertainment shelf. This is where I mention all of the books, movies, music, and TV referenced in each episode. So Ginny, the only book and writing reference in this episode is Edith Wharton. So we Mm -hmm. talked a little bit about this before. So I know that you have watched movies based on Edith Wharton, but you have not read any of her books, correct? I read the book Ethan Frome when I was in high school. Oh, okay. You you did. Got it. Okay. I have sadly not ever read Edith Wharton, and I feel like I need to add that to my list. We have a lot of music references in this episode, so I'm going to list them off. Madonna, her song, Like a Virgin. Barbara Streisand, Elvis, Jim Morrison, Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears, the band Altered Images and their song Happy Birthday, This Old House by the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Why Does It Always Rain on Me by Travis, What a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong, and technically we can throw in Duran Duran and Echo and the Bunnymen because they weren't mentioned but I feel like they were so prominent in that bedroom scene. They deserve some spotlight. So Ginny, how into this list are you? Morrison and Elvis were mentioned just because they're famous and dead. Barbara Streisand is a queen, always. I love Duran Duran, so I'm super into that. And I also, I love Justin Timberlake. I think he can write a catchy tune and sing it well. Um, Seems like a cool dude. And um, Brittany, also a queen. So uh, those are my thoughts and feelings on all of them, but none of of them are, like, top, top favorites. So what about Madonna's Like a Virgin or the Brian Setzer Orchestra, Travis, or Louis Armstrong? Louis Armstrong, a classic. Uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra, definitely a 2000s thing. And right? um, Madonna, of course, another queen, the queen of reinvention. Yeah, I still think about the video for Like a Prayer, even 30 years later, just because it was so, I want to say outrageous, but outrageous, I don't think is a good enough term for it. Like when you look back on it now, it's, I don't think it's about what we thought it was. At least I thought it was about something totally else when I was a kid. But now I can look back on it and see it as a video about 
very obvious racial injustice in America. But the sexual and religious imagery used to get that point across is so wild. And it was especially wild for the year it came out. So, I mean, she really was, she really was the queen of this, a queen of innovation. And she was a generational culture changer. Yeah, that was, it was revolutionary. Go at home, go on YouTube, watch it. It's, and and watch it with the lens of the 80s. Yeah. Because it was definitely coming from a time of, you go through the 70s music of like disco and of, you know, what is now known as like classic rock. And then you go into this sort of age of pop, which was, you know, Michael Jackson and Madonna and like these really great pop stars, which, um, you know, and so then Madonna was really, I think the first performing artist who was so overtly sexual. And then it really like, for better or worse, it sexualized a lot of pop music going forward. And it basically kind of continued that like, sexual push in pop music going forward but she you know the way that she did it was definitely you know just as an act of expression of her own style and music but then I think because it was so became so popular and she became so popular that then what ended up becoming popular was sex and not necessarily like individual outrageous expression you know she was expressing from my perspective just to push the boundaries Britney Spears when I was a teenager right at this at this time that we're talking about right now in the 2000s I mean that was incredibly sexual and she was worshipped by like 13 14 year old girls so then it's like you know what what does that mean I love that very nice have you ever heard of this band Travis no me neither well next on the list is television the television referenced in this episode is I Love Lucy and the Waltons now I I'm a huge I Love Lucy fan. I actually just recently started re-watching it on Hulu. There's a few moments here and there where it's very like, no, you're the wife and you have to do what I say. There's a few of those. And they're sleeping in twin beds. Well, that's only in the beginning, though. And that's the thing is that there's a really big difference between the very beginning of I Love Lucy in the middle and the end. And the majority of I Love Lucy is very much... Lucy trying to take her power as a woman. And it is still so funny. It is still so funny. Yeah. It's hilarious. And she she's hilarious. And she also, I mean, talk about a revolutionary woman. The show's title was her name. And the studio was hers. I mean, that is, when you consider especially the time that was happening, it is really unbelievable. I also watched it originally on Nick at Night like many of us, but that's how I got so into it. My dad bought me an I Love Lucy lunchbox and I fucking loved it. That's the best. So did you grow up watching the Waltons? I did not. I did. The only thing I knew about it was what I mentioned earlier, where they were the ones who said, good night, yeah. good night, good night. And that's all I really, and that they were kind of like, also with like Leave it to Beaver, they were sort of classic, all American, squeaky clean family. But I knew it from like, basically the zeitgeist, but that's, I never watched it. Yeah, same. I don't think, I don't think I've ever seen an episode. Movies in this episode, there are two mentioned. The Fly, again, starring mm-hmm. Jeff Goldblum. 
And Freaky Friday, which we decided is the 70s version. Yeah, with Jodie Foster. With Jodie Foster and Barbara Harris, which I watched so much growing up. I watched that movie all the time. I watched all three versions a lot, but I, I that includes that version. So I was this many days old when I realized that there was another version, because I, of course, know the Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan one, which I've seen a couple of times. And I think Mark Harmon is in that. I think he plays the, like, fiancé. I've never seen it, but I know about the 70s one with Jodie Foster. I didn't know that there was another version. I'm looking it up right now. Right meow. I'm going to feel stupid if it wasn't Shelley Long, even though I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, it was. Okay, at least I had that right. Oh, yeah, 95. And, oh, my God, that was Gabby Hoffman. I love Gabby Hoffman. You know what I love her in? Hmm. Obvious Child. Yes. She's so good in it. She's so good in that. Or when she played the friend in Sleepless in Seattle. She also was the the little girl in Field of Dreams. So she's oh my like, gosh! She's been acting, I mean, That's forever. Right. Yeah. Well, that version of Freaky Friday came out in 1995, so yeah. it would have existed she's in this episode. But it that one was not. I don't think that one was in theaters. I think that one. I don't want to say for sure, but I don't remember it being in theaters. I think that it was a made-for-TV movie. Yeah. On ABC Family is what it says on Wikipedia. Well, there we go. That's how I know. But it was a great Again, version. Donate to Wikipedia. <laughs> All right, well, that is it for the Arts and Entertainment Shelf, which means we have reached the end of our episode. Jenny, I want to thank you again so much for being here on my podcast today. I love talking Gilmore Girls with you. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking Gilmore Girls and everything with you, too. I'll see everyone next week for episode seven, Kiss and Tell. Ooh, that's a good one. That's a good episode. So I can't wait to talk about it and check us out next time. Bye. Bye. This has been Welcome to Stars Hollow, the podcast. For more episodes, make sure to subscribe to Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For extra fun, find us on Instagram at at Stars Hollow Pod. So loud down here. I have cats. I have non-stop yard work happening outside. Oh, okay. <sighs> you kept pausing. I was like, this is not. I was it's, like, it's a lot of pauses. It's because everyone is driving me fucking crazy today. Ugh. Not you. Well, that's good to hear. Just cats and assholes who think that they have to have their yards just.